the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Tina Smith, who's manager of caregiver program operations for the Caregiver S2S program through the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in social gerontology. And Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known expert on addictions as well as caregiving. And Dr. Heisman and Tina Smith join us today as we pick a topic for Take 10. And Tina, you came up with a great one. We know, Jamie, that caregivers historically don't like asking for help, even though they may desperately need it. Why is that? Why don't they ask for help? And how can they ask? Well, you know, Ron, there's so many different reasons. Um, People in general, right, we're a myriad of personalities. So many things go into that. Our upbringing, our culture, how we were as kids. Sometimes kids should be seen and not heard. You know, things that were reinforced in what I call our temporal lobes, our mind. And that really dictates our personalities. But when you then ratchet it up with caregiving, and caregiving is kind of like the, the perfect storm uh, because two reasons here. Not only are you challenged by maybe the personality and sometimes you've not reached out and sometimes you've, you've kept things to yourself. But when caregiving occurs, it, it just clamps us down. Sometimes it gets stuck into the mind, the body kind of shame and stigma of mental health. And instead of trying to reach out, which Tina, you, any expert in caregiving knows that when you reach out, you connect, things happen. We tend not to. We tend to pull back in and not want people under our own tent. And therefore, we kind of get quiet when it's so important for us to get vocal. So, Tina, in your experience at the Caregiver SOS program, what do caregivers tell you? We hear a lot, and, and Jamie's right, is that you know it's hard and just as general for people to ask for help. We're very independent society. We want to do things on our own, but we hear from caregivers, you know, one of the things that we hear is that no one can do it like I can do it. You know, no one can do it better than, than I can do it. So I, you know, it's all the responsibility is, is on me, or I don't want to burden uh, my kids asking for their help or my siblings, you know, they have enough on their plate. I don't, you know, so those are probably the two top things that we hear. And Jamie, why should they ask for help? You know, that's a great question. Why, well, number one, why they should is because, look, the brain needs it. How's that? I know it's tough for somebody to understand, but as a psychologist, we are about what's called co-regulation, meaning we connect and grow and innovate when we connect with others who also can feel safe, non-toxic, don't control us, kind of like a support group setting. So when we reach out, our bodies, our autonomic nervous system feels better. We're stuck in this fight, flight, fear. Listen, caregiving isn't for sissies. This is a really difficult, difficult challenge. So when we reach out, we connect with others who may not just only have the solution, 
But we then feel kind of calmer, more that, to Tina's point, more that it's not only about us, it's about others. But so many things keep myriadly kind of affecting it, Ron, that I'm sure we can make two shows out of it, like depression, like anxiety, like mental health challenges in and of itself keep us isolated and detached. And as you think about that, Dr. Jamie, uh, when, when the caregiver says, oh, I don't need any help, how should you respond to that as someone who wants to help? Well, you know, you have to start where the patient's at. At least that's what us therapists say. So I think a, a caregiver needs to start where their loved one is at, whether you're a long-distance caregiver or somebody down the street. And when somebody says that, go ahead, acknowledge it, start where they're at, don't get into a control struggle, don't just force and say, you need this, you need that. There's nothing worse. We call that psychological reactance. We kind of back down and push back. So acknowledge the fact that somebody says, well, I really don't need help. Like Tina says, I really am good. Um, and then say, acknowledge how good they are for sure. And uh, that even though they may not think they need help at all, try then to start where they're at and bring them to a place where they really do appreciate the people around them, the family of choice, the church, the synagogue, the ashram, the support group, and try to lead them, but using their own energy as if it's their own idea to lead them. Don't shut them down and tell them you need this and you need that. And if they don't hear you, if, if they don't respond to that, well, that's an interesting thing, Ron, because we have to be extraordinarily creative. You probably got the wrong therapist to talk about this because I'm pretty Machiavellian. I'm an intervention, <laughs> meaning the end does justify the means. I don't think we should take up our toys and go home. I do think we're dealing with very difficult situations and getting somebody to reach out is very difficult. But if our overriding concern and for a family member is the care of our loved one, then we need to kind of not take that no for an answer, but maybe try another route. Like what Tina's saying, maybe we go to a caregiver SOS or an area agency on aging or a geriatric care manager, and we sit down with somebody else and say, let's explore different opportunities here. Now, if you've just joined us, you've joined Take 10. Delighted to have you with us. Every week, we spend 10 minutes talking about a mental health issue, a caregiving issue. And Dr. Jamie Heisman and Tina Smith are with us to try to explore that. Uh, Tina, when the caregiver is obstinate, who says, you know, you know, Ms. Smith, I don't want help. How do you respond? You know, it's, it's tough because, you know, Dr. Jamie's right. You can't you can't force that on them. It's just it's a it's a continued conversation. And, uh, you know, maybe there's some small things that you can do, you know, drop off some groceries sometime or, or do little things. But forcing the situation certainly isn't going to help. Um, just maybe encouraging, checking in uh, on a regular basis, um, or, or just some of the, the things that we do with, uh, when we're talking to caregivers. Years ago, when my mom was caring for my dad, who had uh, Alzheimer's, uh, I remember uh, asking, she was in Cleveland, I was in San Antonio, Texas. I asked the local Jewish Family Service office to send a social worker to her house to offer help. They go to the house to knock on the door. My mom, Evelyn, answers, hello, we're with Jewish Family Service. We're here to help. Your son asked us to come out, and uh, we think we can provide some benefit for you. My mother says, well, that's nice. Go help someone who needs it. We don't need it. Bye-bye. That's so true. That is so emblematic of a caregiver stuck in their own stuff, Ron. You know, I always say that the messenger, or let's say, forget the messenger, the rescuer always becomes the victim. 
what I would do is, and you've heard this too, for so often, life is two things, emotional self-regulation, which is kind of breath work, Pilates, walking, staying connected to people, trying to get your autonomic nervous system good. And it's kind of social co-regulation. So if you have somebody like they're like Evelyn, okay, let's take that. Right. Maybe, maybe that wasn't the best way to ambush her with somebody at the front door. I, I do think then maybe if somebody's not reaching out for somebody else to get help, there's a lot of things blocking them on a personal basis that maybe there's an intermittent or sort of intervening, as I call lily pad step. Maybe it's good to connect with them, their pain, their emotions. Let's not worry about them reaching out yet and get them to take a breath get them to do a place where they feel more comfortable because I think they're their own worst enemy. So it is a strategic plan. It's almost like a football game. You got a game plan for this, but definitely what you don't do is, is, is definitely surprise somebody at the front door because I'm sure Evelyn is going to throw them out and something happens. Yeah. As I told that story, Jamie had a huge smile across his face because you knew where that was going. You do. And I talk in my book, take your oxygen first. Listen, the, the, the caregiver may be the worst person to deliver the message because we all know that the rescuer does become the victim here. Uh, there's so many reasons for that. That's why I think that you really go game plan this strategically, like with Tina, with caregiver SOS, a geriatric care manager, call the support group setting, talk to the neurologist, look for places where you can find a third party that can come in and assist. But remember, you may not get that person to reach out to get help for their loved one, but you can befriend them and connect and get them to calm down, take a deep breath, and maybe start accepting things around them that they need to accept. My mother had the same reaction when we arranged for meals on wheels to bring them food. And she said, you know, I can cook. Don't worry about it. I don't need your food. I bet you she could. And we all know she could. So I would say, can you baby give me a lesson, mama? You're so good. Let's just sit together and let's cook together. And maybe I'll help you breathe and you can help me make some borscht. How's that? That's pretty good advice. Dr. Jamie, we got to stop you right here. Tina Smith, Dr. Jamie Heisman, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us today on Take 10. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.